are listening to the teaching podcast of Grace Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit gracecc.org. Happy New Year. What a great time of the year to just sit back and start over. Maybe for some of you, you need to hit the reset button, reboot. Your computer goes down, you reboot the computer. Maybe it's time to you just need to reboot yourself and and do it. And maybe this is a year, perhaps, you need a do-over. I've, I've explained this or talked about this before when I'm preaching. My brother and I were playing when we were little kids. We play all the time, hockey, baseball, football, just battle all the time. And... Once in a while, one of us would mess up, and we would say, I want a do-over. And so that when you said, I want a do-over, you granted the other person the do-over, and you got to start over and start fresh. It's like brand new. So maybe you need a do-over this year. And a lot of people come to the 1st of January, and they come up with a resolution for the year. And so I think those are a good place to start. Something you want to do better at or eliminate or whatnot, but... So we talk a little bit about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit today. We're going to talk more of a New Year revelation than a New Year resolution. Resolutions are good. Revelation, way better. And so when we were talking and worshiping earlier in the first service, the thing that came to me is very simple. Four words. New Year, same spirit. It's the new year, 2016. It's the same spirit that's been around forever is in you as the believer. I think we should get t-shirts made up. PCC, 2016, New Year, same spirit. And it's worth them. Not looking for anything new in the spiritual realm. He's here. He's present. Jesus came and died already. He's not coming to die again this year. He left his Holy Spirit for each and every one of us. And so he is here. And he's as powerful as he ever was. Talk about it all the time, Romans 8, 11. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive and well. It's not only alive and well in Praise Community Church. It's awesome we can come in here and we just, we just get in the spirit and we just worship and we hear a word. But he goes with you. Don't leave your Holy Spirit at church. Just think that's just a church thing. That's a Sunday morning thing. Take him with you and allow him to work in your whole life this year. And act on God's word this year. You've got a whole manual of good things right here. And it's supposed to be spoken out and it's supposed to be acted out. So speak the word into your life. Speak the word into the life of your family. I mean, how many times have you gone through the whole year just maybe 2015 was your, a bad year for you? Just think back of all the words you spoke over your, yourself and over others in that year. If we change our words and act on God's word and speak God's word over our life, things are going to change. The first scripture I want to talk about today is one in Luke 5. You can follow along up here. I put a big white sheet in, your, in the bulletin today. That was my original plan. It's not obsolete. It's just obsolete for this Sunday morning, that sheet in there. So you can take that home and you can look and see some different things about why Jesus came and what, we're ben- what the benefits of having the Holy Spirit. So you can read that and you can study that. And I'll preach on that another time, but... I came into to church yesterday morning, or yesterday afternoon, that was yesterday morning, and I just felt like 
I was going to do my sermon slides, but I just felt like I wasn't, I just wasn't, my sermon wasn't complete. And what complete means I had too much stuff in there. So I whittled it down a little bit, and I changed some scriptures. So that's why we're going to start with Luke here, because I was, I was at church on Wednesday night with my son-in-law, uh, Brian, who's a pastor, and he read this scripture in Luke 5. And it just was like, man, I've been thinking about that a lot. And so I'm thinking, like, every time I get a confirmation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. And Luke 5 is a great scripture where we see Jesus in Luke 4. If you go back to Luke 4, you see Jesus is forced out into the desert, and he's preaching the word. It says he's preaching the word. And then eventually you see in the beginning of Luke 5, he ends up on the shore of the lake, and the crowd is pressing him, it says. And they came to, to hear him preach the word. They didn't come to hear it see miracles or anything else. They came to hear to preach the world. Now, when Jesus preached the word, miracles always happen. So a lot of times, maybe as churchgoers or, or as Christians, we want to come and see something happen, which is great. I love it. Whenever I go, I go expecting. Whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do, I go expecting. But we just need to come sometimes and sit and hear the word and hear the word preached. So these guys in Luke 4 were pressing them. He ends up in Luke 5, the beginning of Luke 5. He's on the shore, and he's at, at the lake, Sea of Galilee, whatever you want to call it. And he tells Simon Peter, let's get in your boat and push out away. So he gets in, and he pushes out away, and he preaches the word. And I'll read it right here from the Bible, Luke 5. It says, so it was the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gensaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them, for they were washing their nets. They were done. They were finished for the night. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. He preached the word. He was preaching the word to these people. Not only was he preaching the word to the people, he was preaching the word to the guys that were in his boat. He was preaching it to them in their situation, their circumstance. He was preaching to them on their turf. You know, sometimes we think we need to go somewhere big and glorious to get a word from God when God will just meet you right where you're at, in your situation, in your home, at your work, wherever you want. So when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered, he said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. If you've been toiling all year, you've been toiling your whole life, toil means to work hard, work your fingers to the bone. Just work yourself ragged. It's a word for someone here today. Is if that's you, you've been working yourself here. There's a better way to do things, and we, we allow God to work in our life. Nevertheless, at your word, he says, nevertheless, at your word. One of, my, one of the greatest lines in all of Scripture, nevertheless, at your word. Not nevertheless, at my word, or someone's word, or my best friend's word. Nevertheless, at your word. He's, he's talking to Jesus. I will let down the net. And when he had done this, he caught a great number of fish. So they signaled their partners. The other boat came to help them. They came and filled with both boats, and they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down to Jesus at Jesus, saying, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he, had, he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. I love that. How many times has Jesus said that? Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. That's amazing. So he takes this, he takes this story of the fish and of this big catch and he, he gives them 
command. He says, this is what I want you to do. And they have the choice to obey it. They've been fishing all night. They're tired. Their nets are clean. Jesus says, we're going to go do this again. And they have a choice. Do we want to follow what Jesus said, or we just do what we've normally been doing? And so they do it. We see what happens. They get a big catch. And then Jesus said, this is, that was just fishing, guys. We're going to go be fishers of men. We're going to go catch people. This gives them a little, gives them a little chance to show if they want to obey him or not. And then he tells them his real plan. And so when we go through this scripture, I find it amazing that uh, just some of the great things in there is what we can understand in our lives when we listen to the word of God and then we obey his command. So you have to be listening. Your ears have to be open. Your spiritual ears, which is as born-again believers, that puts the Holy Spirit on the inside of us and that's how you interpret, that's how you understand, that's how you allow the word of God to resonate in your body and then it goes up to your mind so you can understand it that way. Sometimes we come to church and and we're, and we're not a believer. We just, it just bounces off our head. I know that I sat, in, I sat in this church, different buildings, same church for a lot of years, and it bounced off me. I just, just didn't understand it because I was just trying to figure this all out on my own until I had that moment in my life where the Holy Spirit just gave me that unction that you need to be my son. And I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And then when you do that, that Holy Spirit gets planted on the inside of you. It's that aha uh-huh moment where stuff starts to come in. But you still have to work at it. You still have to pray. You still have to seek his word. You still have to ask God for different things in your life to, to give you wisdom and revelation, which we're going to talk about, which is the next scripture we're going to talk about. So as an unbeliever, sometimes this bounces off our head. We have enough trouble as believers sometimes just paying attention and, and receiving the word. As an unbeliever, it's impossible. The Holy Spirit has two jobs that I can understand, or he's got many jobs, but two of them are this. He's going to convict the world of its sin, which is the unbeliever, and he's going to lead you to repentance. He's going to lead you to salvation. And then once you're the believer, he's going to convict you of your righteousness. He's going to show you your right standing with God and point you back in that direction. Everything just points towards Christ. As the unbeliever, pulls you into the kingdom and gives the opportunity. This is what I have for you. Do you want to receive that? When we say yes, then he points us to that further down the road. Does that make sense? Does the same thing. Pulls the unbeliever in, and then he speaks to the believer. He's always speaking. It's matter whether as a believer or an unbeliever, whether you listen or not. How many times have we just not paid attention? He's speaking to us all the time, and a lot of times we just got something better to do. We just ignore it a little bit. So as he's talking to these guys here back in Luke 5, he says to them, let's launch out I'm going to preach the word. So these guys are there. They're listening. They're cleaning their nets. I bet you they're still scrubbing their nets. Now, it's funny when we, we're at church and people, you know, maybe don't look to me like they're paying attention sometimes. We just suspect as a pastor that everybody's just like this watching, right? But I know when I was in church when I, early on that I would just, you know, I'd just be there. And if I was there, at least it was getting in, right? It's like when you speak to your kid, you might tell your kid a hundred times to do the same thing, but at least you're... I think it's registering sometimes. Although the 101st time he goes on and does something stupid, he goes, well, you didn't tell me. You know? We'll ignore those, that one. But here's the thing. He's speaking to these guys, and they're washing their nets, and they were done. So when, I like what he says that they were washing their nets. And in my Bible, the New King James Version, this one here, he has uh, the washing their nets 
He has it in italics. And I just wonder, it must be important. Because it's important to the story because if they're washing their nets, they're done. They're finished for the night. They've given up. They've failed. They're just completely finished. And how many people come to this 2016, you're like, I give up, I'm done, I'm completely finished. Maybe it's in a marriage. Maybe it's at a job. Maybe it's with your kids or, your, or, your, or something. Maybe you feel like you've completely, you're finished. You don't want to do any more of this. You want to do something different this year because what you've done in your own strength last year doesn't seem to work. As you come to the new year, you take a, take a note from these, from these guys here. And so they're packing it in for the day. And so they're discouraged. I mean, uh, there's guys here, I see, I see Steve here, and Steve goes on fishing trips a lot, and, you know, you know, maybe you get two or three days into a fishing trip and you haven't caught anything, you're like, we might as well just pack it up and go home. This is crazy. The weather's coming in, there's a front, you know, all this stuff. And these, these guys were dealing with. They knew the lake, they knew how to fish, they were doing what they were doing year after year, day after day, what they'd always done, and it just didn't work. And Jesus comes to them and says, I'm going to try something different. And so he speaks a word to them. First he speaks a sermon, and then he gives them a command. They hear the word. They probably receive the word. It's like he planted that seed in them, and then he gives them a command. So same, no different for us today. Hear a word, choose to receive that word. When you receive that word, and God gives you a command to do something, then we have the choice to do it or not. And this is exactly what happened here. That's what's so great about the Bible. Some people say the Bible... It's written 2,000 years ago. It's irrelevant. It's the most relevant thing that you'll ever deal with in your life. It's the one true thing. The book, the word of God. And so he speaks to them and he says, uh, and so he says in verse 3, and he sat down and taught the people out of his ship. And they followed him, like, just like they'd fallen in the desert. And he says in verse 4, now when we had, he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. How many people like to watch movies besides Paul St. Martin? Everybody, uh, everybody ever go on to check out a review of a movie? And sometimes they'll say, they'll give you a review, but they'll have a spoiler alert. And what's a spoiler alert means? It means they're going to give you something about the story that if you don't want to know what's happening in the movie, you just don't read it. My granddaughter just came home the other day, or texted me the other day when I was in Phoenix. She said, I watched Star- the new Star Wars movie. It was awesome. And then she told me what happened at the end. Huge spoiler alert, right? The whole Bible is full of spoiler alerts. He just says it right here. Launch out your nets for a catch. He didn't say launch out your nets and we'll just see what happens this time. He says launch out. You're going to catch something. Just like back in the, the Old Testament with, when, when Joshua and Caleb and the ten other spies are told to go spy out the land. And what does God say to them? You're going to spy out the land that I am giving to you. Spoiler alert. The whole Bible is full of spoiler alerts. You see at the book of, at the end, where Jesus is resurrected. When you read the Bible, because you just don't read it once and then you put it down, like you do maybe a novel. You read it multiple times. So every time you get to the New Testament, at the end of the New Testament, what happens? Jesus dies and he's resurrected. And so, the spoiler alert here says you're going to put your nets out and you're going to catch something. So this is what he tells them. But even then, there's a little bit of unbelief in Simon Peter. He says, Master, we have toiled all night, toiled, there it is, and have taken nothing. So in our own strength, Father God, we, nothing's happened. 
It's just been hard work. It's been futile, and we're frustrated. And he says something that's probably one of the greatest lines in Scripture to me. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. That's amazing. How many times do you honestly sit here when you've had something going on in your life that you would just say to yourself, nevertheless, at thy word, Lord, I'm going to go do this. Maybe we've done that. Maybe we've done that multiple times. But think of the times we haven't done that. I believe God's speaking to us all the time through the person of the Holy Spirit. He's always talking to us. The distractions and things like that get in the way. Just think about from the time, about a week before Thanksgiving to New Year's Day. It's supposed to be a good time of the year, but it's distracting. We've got to get all the stuff up. We've got to get all the stuff cooked. We've got to get all the stuff bought. We've got to make sure we get this. And it just seems like it's just distracting. You go from Thanksgiving until Christmas, and it's like, and then you have to add your family on top of that. You know, it's supposed to be a good time of the year, right? So we get distracted with this stuff, and pretty stuff it pretty, pretty soon it's the new year. So he says, nevertheless, at thy word. Not anyone else's word, but Jesus' word. And so they launch their nets out, and they get a huge catch. And so after listening to Jesus' sermon, sermon Peter was willing to give it a go. And here's, here's a key statement. It's always to our advantage to obey God regardless of how we feel. Oh, man. If I could just get that in there in my life 100% of the time, that I don't need to go on my feelings all the time. Because my feelings cause me to make poor decisions. They cause me to make no decisions sometimes. And so he says, regardless of how we feel, even if we don't think it's going to work, if God says it's going to work, you just do it, and it, it's going to turn out in your benefit. And all their efforts had failed, which we heard before. And likewise, it doesn't matter how many times we have struggled on our own. When we try it again at the command of the Lord, we get different results. See that? They didn't do anything different. You know, Jesus didn't, I can't see it in the Bible, he didn't go down to the edge of the shore and he whistled and said, hey, fish, when they lay their nets down, just jump in them. And it's all good. We're going to do something crazy here today. He just said to do the same thing they'd always been doing, under his command. And when they did that, they got a huge, huge catch. It's amazing. In the King James Version, it says, Jesus says to put down your nets. And then Peter says, I'll put down my net. And so there's this contradiction there where Jesus says, put down everything you got. And Peter just says, I'm just going to put down the one. You know. And then when he puts down the one, he catches enough fish that would have filled up all the nets. Think about that. Jesus had all the fish there for all the nets, for all the boats that those guys were there. But Peter, for whatever reason, just puts one net in. A little bit of faith. It worked well for him. And the great thing about it is what happened to these guys after their nets were broken and they got them in the boat? What did they do? They didn't even take the fish or the nets. The three of them just dropped everything they let and said, I'm going with this guy. If he can pull that one off, I want to see what's next. And so they followed after him the rest of their lives. So two things stand out to me. They listened to a sermon. They listened to, to Jesus talk, which we can have every day through the person of the Holy Spirit when we ask. And by reading his word, we get the same gift to listen to, to God's word. Then they received it, that word, took it in, and they obeyed the command from Jesus. It's, it's just not good enough just to read your Bible and put it down and go to sleep. It's to read our Bible and ask the Holy Spirit to give me revelation and say, what are, how do I add this to my life? That's a big difference. And so when we do that, 
So today, today you need to just understand is when we fill up with God's word, we need to fill up with God's word. We fill up with so much stuff. Just count back to the five things you filled your life up with the last week. Just think. I can think of a few. Are we filling up on God's word? There's things in our life that are really good. I went to a hockey game last night. That's a good thing. I love going to hockey games. But if that's the only thing I do, you can't just go there all the time. I just can't come to church on Monday morning and, and you know, clean the carpets or, or uh, do whatever else we do around here. You have to, as a pastor, you have to get into God's word too. I know you guys have, most of you here work, work long hours. You still got to find time to get in and filled up with God's word. And it was this totally supernatural catch is what I love about that. And it's just, a, I mean, he uses that miracle to just confirm his word. It's just amazing what Jesus does. Like when, when, he's, when Peter says, can I come out there and walk on the water? And Jesus says, come. And he walks on the water. You know, it's amazing. Some people don't believe these things happen. That they're just good stories. They're fables. You got to believe it, man. You have to believe that this stuff actually happened. That's the word of God. That's why we're here today. That's why you're at church today. Because you are saying by your presence here to me that you believe what God's word says. Now, what are we going to do in 2016? We're going to receive God's word, and we're going to act it out in our lives. We're going to speak it out. Speak it over yourself, and speak it over your life. Speak it over your situation. We speak words all the time. How many of them are the word of God over our situation? The key there to me is, but nevertheless, at your word. What a great line. Add that to your life. Nevertheless, because we listen to so many people's words that we should just sometimes sit back and say, nevertheless. So in 2016, when God speaks to you, you respond, nevertheless, at thy word, I will do it. Just like those guys did. They caught nothing. They let Jesus in their boat. They got into his presence. They heard the word. They obeyed the word. And they were blessed. Some might say, that's a pretty easy sounding formula, Pastor Mark. Yeah? What other, way, what other option we got in the world? Done it our own way for many years. Why not give God a shot? And if you've given God a shot in the past and, he's, and somehow it seemed like it failed, give him another shot. Because what do we got to lose? That's the worst case scenario. What do you have to lose than to allow God to work in your life? Give him another try. 2016 might be your year to try again. Just think about this. Jesus said that this was just fishing and you were obedient with that small thing you said to him by just throwing your net out there when you, shouldn't, when you guys didn't want to go fishing. He says, but we're going to go after people now. And think about that. A few years later, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were added to the kingdom of God. Think about that. From those guys obeying, taking their net and putting it in the water on a time where they probably felt like, I just don't want to do it. This is too hard. I'm done for the day. I've given up. It's just no different than you and me. It is no different than you and me. When we feel like we were done and we're ready to give up. And Jesus says, no, at my command, go forth, do this. And he will put his super under natural. That's exactly what it was. He used their natural ability. He used their natural nets, their natural boat, their natural everything. But at the command of the Lord, he put his super on their natural. That's what God does with us. He uses us to perform his miracles. He calls us to go forth and do his stuff. I think God, will sh- God could show up here right now and do a mighty thing. I know he's here. And we'd all be just like, whoa. 
that was amazing. And I've been part of those things. But from my understanding and my 13 years of being a Christian, the things that happen through God are mostly happen through when people go out and do stuff for them. They get a word from God, and they obey it, and they get out there and do it. Another great scripture is in Ephesians 1, about 17, 18, 19, we're going to talk about today. And the reason why I like this scripture, because when you look at the book of Luke, and you see Simon, Peter, and all those guys, they're just fishermen at the time. They don't have a relationship with the Lord like you do. They weren't born-again Christians. And one other thing they didn't have, they weren't baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. So when Paul's writing in Ephesians 1, he's writing from a man who's had a radical transformation in his life, He's become a Christian, and he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. Big difference, right? So these guys are like just plain old fishermen, and Paul's preaching, there's more. So he says in, the, in Ephesians 1.17, he says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of, the, of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. There's your key for the year. Ask Father God to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Not the world's wisdom, not a resolution, but of his wisdom. And he'll give you a revelation. That's what you get when you, get to, when you listen to the word of God and you read the word of God and you, and you pray and you see God. He will give you revelation. Because what we're resolving to do, that the one thing in our life maybe that you've come to resolve this 2016, maybe he's got a better way to do it. Maybe he's got something more for you to do when you just ask him. And what you think that you really need to resolve, you won't even think about it in another couple weeks because it'll be totally gone because you've focused on what God has for you. And you've got a revelation from him. I had problems that were with, with alcohol in my past. It wasn't until I got a revelation of what God wanted for me that I could put that stuff down. I resolved to do it many times. I'm going to try harder this year. This year is going to be different. Knock on wood, whatever you want to say. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation. like, this is how I see you. And you do not need that in your life. That I was able to put that down. I'm sure there's many other people here with addictions to different stuff. This time of the year is no fun when it comes to trying on your pants New Year's Day. You know? It's like, I almost put my sweatpants on today, Brandon, to come here. It's like been a nonstop eating barrage since Thanksgiving. It's just, it's no willpower. Well, I don't have any willpower. I don't think any of us have real willpower when it comes right down to it. And so I need to get a revelation of like, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to buy any more clothes. <laughs> and so just little things like that. It doesn't have to be like you have a major drug problem or, or you have some crazy problem in your life. It's the little things in our lives that add up and, and tear us down. And so when we get a revelation of who we are, it's a spirit of wisdom and revelation. A spirit, the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you will give you wisdom and revelation. Was it not Solomon who was the wealthiest man in the world, they said? And when he was asked what he wanted from God, what did he say? Wisdom. Because when he had godly wisdom, then everything else started adding up. And he got a revelation didn't end too well for Solomon because what did he started to do? He started taking advice from other people. He took his godly wisdom, which was rightfully his, which we all have because of the person of the Holy Spirit, and he said, I really want to listen to this person over here. 
and he started listening to other voices. That's all that ever happens to us as Christians. We start listening, not, only to, not just to the voice of the accuser, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We just listen to ourselves. We give Satan a lot of credit in our lives. And really, it's just you. It's just me. I can't blame Satan for a lot of stuff in my life that's gone wrong. It's just me making bad choices. Not allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my life. The great thing about Father God is, he's forgiving, he's just, he's merciful. And we just realize the errors of our way, and we say, Father God, this is crazy. I'm just going to turn from that, I'm going to turn back and go back in your direction again. It's called repenting. And that's what we do. So that my prayer that Paul is praying here, this is a prayer that the Apostle Paul is praying. I used to pray, Our Father who art in heaven every day of my life growing up. It's a good prayer. But when you look what the prayer is saying, it's just showing us how to pray. Okay? This prayer here is a prayer that Father God, the creator of the universe, Almighty, will give you a spirit, the Holy Spirit who's in you, will give you his wisdom and his revelation for your life. I want to sit down and just fathom that. If Father God says he wants to do that for you, he's speaking, the Holy Spirit is speaking to the Apostle Paul. Paul's not writing with his own words on a piece of paper like going, hmm, that sounds good, I'll write that down. The word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's a true word. So what Paul is preaching here, that he says that may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that's Father God speaking to you. And when you come to church every Sunday and you listen to Pastor Jeff speak, he's not just speaking to the other people around here. Jeff does a good job of speaking to everybody. But when you think about it, when you really think about it, Father God is speaking. Every word that comes out of Pastor Jeff's mouth or my mouth or any preacher is a word for you. It's not like, man, I wish Johnny was here to hear that. I'm glad when Johnny was here to hear it too, but he's speaking to you every single time. We just have to choose whether we want to listen or not. That's that spiritual wisdom that he will give us. He'll give you a way to do something that you wouldn't even think was possible. A way out of debt. A way to put your marriage back together. A way to do your job better. The way to deal with people at work. Because people got to go to work on Monday, they're like going, ugh, I got to deal with so-and-so and so-and-so. You know, God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation on the right words to say to somebody that will change a whole situation. He'll give you the words and revelation to change your situation with words about yourself. And he'll give you words to speak over other people. Words of love and mercy and grace when there's none coming back towards you. I just spoke with a lady this morning between services who said she spoke out and got hammered for it. And I was like, Father God is going to protect you. He has you. It's up to them to understand the errors of their way. You can't fix other people sometimes, but we can speak love and mercy and grace over them. So understanding this takes a lot of frustration out. As we look at Ephesians 1.18, when we go from giving me a spirit of wisdom and revelation, he goes on to say, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. What does that mean? He says, I want your eyes, your spiritual eyes, to be opened to what the Holy Spirit is showing you. You have to have spiritual eyes. So what does that mean? You cannot have spiritual eyes if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. You can't. Because he's speaking to the believer right here. He's saying, the eyes of your understanding be open. And what he's saying is that you be open so that you can receive the wisdom and revelation from the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying right there. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Everybody thinks that a pastor has a call on their life. I would agree with that. 
but every one of us has a call on their life. You have a call in your life. You're called not only to be a child of God, but you're also called to further his kingdom, however that may be. So everybody has a calling. Everybody has a ministry. So what he's saying up there is that the eyes of your understanding, you go back one, being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. You go to the next one. And the end result of this is wisdom and revelation was that, that, that they might know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance, you're part of inheritance, and the exceeding greatness of his, his power towards you, usward. Wow. That's a lot in one scripture. That's an amazing thing to me. That the hope of his calling, so you have a call, that he would show you the riches of the glory of, of his inheritance. He's trying to show you what you possess. And then he says, then he says, the exceeding greatness of his power to usward. Not only is God's power great towards you, but he has exceeding great power towards you. How much power is that? I don't know. I want to tap into it, though. If it's exceeding, it's, it's, it's better than just a little bit of power. I mean, I can do a lot of good things in my own strength. I, I have to do stuff, right? But when you add God to your, to your life and you allow him, he's going to give you exceeding great power through the person of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you. It's the whole book of Acts. Just read it. There's guys in books in Acts 19 where Paul says to them, hey, do you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we haven't even heard of them. And he says, come here. And he lays hands on them. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They speak in, in tongues. They pray in a prayer language. That's what Paul was saying in the, in the Bible. He's saying, I pray in tongues more than anybody. What does that mean? He says, I sing spiritual songs to God more than anybody. When I don't know what to pray, when I'm in a pickle, when I'm in trouble, I just pray to Father God. And I don't know what I'm praying sometimes, he says, but he does, and he comforts me. And chains were broken. Prison doors are opened up. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are here. They're alive and well for everybody today. Don't be afraid of them. Utilize them in your life to do great and mighty things. Then he goes on to say in verse 19, I believe. We'll get to that one. Is verse 19 up there or do we have that one? I have it here. He says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? He says it three times, I think there twice. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power Toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Whose power is it? His power. His, not our power. We're powerless. We run out of gas. We always talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, scripture, one scripture says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you look at that scripture, it says, do not be drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a double something or other they call it in English. I didn't, wasn't very good in English. And so, but it says, be being filled. What does that mean? It says, you have one Holy Spirit that has come upon you, but he says, you can be filled over and over again with his glory. He says, be being filled. Keep asking, he'll keep filling. I've given many examples up here about the glass is half empty or the glass is half full. The optimist versus the pessimist. To me, the optimist is lame because it says your glass is only half full. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, I'll keep filling you up. Your glass is overflowing. So you can settle for being a pessimist, which is terrible. You can start out by being an optimist, which is kind of like coming here or, or on New Year's Eve and saying, I'm going I'm to have a New Year's resolution. It's a good thing. 
But, or you can give it all to God and say, you know what, I want to be be filled all the time and watch your glass overflow all the time. He is more than enough. It's his exceeding great power. What does that mean? It's a, it, you can't exhaust it. You'll never run out of gas. It's like when, you were, when I was a young kid, I'd go to the gas station with my father and he, my dad would roll down the window and he'd say, fill her up. Fill her up. You just keep telling the Holy Spirit, fill her up. But if you're not exhausting in those gifts, you're just going to be empty and you're going to be dry. Call upon the Holy Spirit and ask him to fill you up. It's great power. So I'm guessing there's many here today that are, you're coming for a fresh start. You're coming for a new look. You want something different. But you don't have to go anywhere new. You don't have to call down any more power. You don't have to have any more faith than what's already present, what you already have. You just need to call upon what you already possess. The same Holy Spirit that was there at creation, was there at the resurrection, was there when you became a Christian, is still there. Come forth. It's kind of like Lazarus. Come forth. So if you've been dead for a couple years or for a few years, come forth. Take off your grave clothes and get in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll change you from the inside out. And that's the great thing about the Holy Spirit. He doesn't look at you and what you look like on the outside. But he'll change your outside from the inside. That's where it starts. The Holy Spirit is the most important man on earth today. Think about that. People think he's an it or a vapor or something out there. We start talking about the Holy Spirit. You start talking about prophecy. You start talking about laying hands on the sick and watching them get healed. You start talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit and people praying in, in tongues. People start going, ooh, I just want to go to church and go home. But there's so much power in the, in the Holy Spirit. He's the most important person on earth today, and he lives on the inside of you. That's the Holy Spirit. He's a man. The Holy Spirit will make you look like a genius. This one I wrote for Dan. <laughs> He'll make you look like a genius. I heard Mark Hankins say that one time, and I wrote that down. And he said this, As a believer, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, he takes the victim out of your voice and puts victory into your voice. Think about that. What kind of mentality we want to have this 2016? You want to have a victim mentality or a victorious mentality? Because you're on the side of the winning side if you're with Jesus Christ. There is no victim in the kingdom. It's all victorious. So we can choose to lay on that side of the fence or be on the victorious side of the fence. I say choose your victory. Change your words this year and speak life into those dry bones. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I say that almost every sermon, don't I? You know what? God has released me from the fear of repetition. I'm going re- to repeat that over and over again. Because until we're all walking it out, it's got to be heard. It's got to be said. And a lot of times, like I told uh, my friend Rory today, I'm preaching to a mirror a lot of times. It's because I'm hoping you're getting some of it. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to preach to yourself. The Holy Spirit will make you look like a genius. The Holy Spirit is filling us up with words of encouragement. And he has given us the gift, all these gifts to build ourselves up. He is giving people prophetic words to be spoken forth. He's revealing his calling on your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you this new year. It's all about the Holy Spirit. Read the book of Acts. Actually read Acts 1, then read the book of John. He says, I got to go away. I'm going to get to that right now. John 16, 5 through 15. I didn't get a chance to share it this, this morning, but I'm gonna, I think it's, God's telling me I need to do this one right here with you guys now. So he says, I'm going to read this. John 16. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. 
and no one, not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best, he says, for me to go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, he says, won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of his sins, as they talked about. The world's sins that it refuses to believe in me. Then he goes on to say, there is so much more I want to tell you. I love this. He says, but you can't bear it now. What's he saying to him? He says, there's, it's big. He says, but you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, he says. So until I go away, and then I send the Holy Spirit, you're not going to understand this, so I'm not going to give you any more. It's kind of like if you're coming to church, and, and you're not a believer, or you've never had that, you never asked the Holy Spirit to fill you up and continue to fill you, you're not going to understand a lot of stuff. You have to get that revelation, spirit of wisdom and revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit. So he says to him, he says, he says, but you can't bear it now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he doesn't leave him hanging, right? I'm sure they were confused what he's talking about. What's the spirit of truth, you know? You've already told us so much stuff. I'm sure sometimes their heads were spinning. But he says in verse 13, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, on his own but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. So he says when the spirit of truth comes, and we see that in the book of Acts, like, boom, the Holy Spirit just falls on him and the world has changed forever. You know, Father God came to reveal Jesus to the earth and Jesus came to reveal the Holy Spirit to us and the Holy Spirit is here now, ever present, and all his power and glory is amongst us. It's in us. And a lot of times we fail in life because we fail to include the most important person on earth in our lives, the Holy Spirit. We forget about him. Thank you, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Great things. But we never call upon the Holy Spirit to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. We sell ourselves short. Trinity means three. Two-thirds is not very good. You got three-thirds. You got the whole package. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so as we go forth here, my message to you for this year is this. That you would get a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That you would open up the word of God. And every time you open up that word of God, which hopefully is daily, that you'd say, Father God, I want a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You show me in this what I couldn't understand before. You show me in this what I've missed in the past. You show me what I've forgotten because I haven't opened it up in a while. And you reveal something new to me this 2016. And I guarantee you, all those things, those resolutions that, that we bring to the table today, those bad habits that we want to get rid of or something we want to add to our life, two, three weeks down the road when we've allowed God to work in our lives, you'll be like, whoa, that was easy. I've done that. I've been there. Try to do something on my own strength. And we fail. I like what it says in John 14, 17. It says this in the New King James Version, that the that the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you right now. So what he's saying in John 14, he, he says, the Holy Spirit's here, but he's not in you. He's dwelling with you. And then he says, but will be in you later. And we see that in Acts 2 when, when the Holy Spirit comes, right? These, these guys were there at Pentecost. So he says, right now the Holy Spirit's with you. As you can see back in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and went off of people. I think it's in Psalms where David says, 
I hope the Holy Spirit doesn't depart from me. And he, he was right to say that back then because the Holy Spirit didn't indwell in the, the born-again believer like it does today. Now today, the Holy Spirit, once it's in you, you're sealed. You're like vacuum-packed, right? It's not getting out. You're signed, sealed, delivered. And that's the thing is we get to call upon that sealed person of the Holy Spirit to act in our lives. You know, Father God said that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he said. And he proved it by saying to the person, the Holy Spirit. So every time you feel like I'm alone or, or God's not hearing me, he's in you. And then when you ask for that spirit of wisdom and revelation, he reveals stuff to you. So these guys had not been filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, I got to go away. And then he will come and he will be in you. They didn't understand it before. You know, God, Jesus said many things to people. And then he said to them, if, if you really love me, you'll eat my flesh. And they're like, what is he talking about? People ran away from him. You know? They didn't understand it. They didn't have spiritual eyes and they didn't have any wisdom. And that's what the person of the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit regenerates you, He indwells you, He seals you, He adopts you, He fills you up. He's the author of Scripture, the Holy Spirit. But the great thing about the Holy Spirit, He also will interpret the Scripture for you as well. So not only did He write this great book, He'll give you understanding, He guides the believer. He anoints you. You're all anointed. You're anointed to do something, whatever it is. Anointed to teach school. You're anointed to be a doctor. You're anointed to play guitar. You know, a lot of times we think the anointing is just for a pastor or somebody who has this great anointing on your life. We all have a call. We all have a ministry. And how do we get it done? Because you're anointed to do it through the person of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2.27 says, But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It's not a lie. Whoa. That's in the New Living Translation. All the other stuff is hogwash, he says, Neva. This is the truth. All the philosophies of man, all the vain philosophies of man, I think Pastor Jeff talked about a couple weeks ago, they're vain. It's sad because our kids are, going, are leaving the church, they're leaving the nest, and they're going off to college. Kids I know that are been in this church their whole life and have been in churches in town their whole life and then six months into college I read what they're posting on Facebook I'm like, what do you, where did you get that from? It only took two months for them to forget everything they ever learned and they're off because they're not getting a spirit of wisdom and revelation. They're getting vain philosophies and I bet you guys get that in your whole life where people are giving you vain philosophies. Well, this is, this is the 2016, this is the way it is in America now. Most of those are vain philosophies. Go back to what the Word of God says. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. He provides fruit. Look in Galatians 5.22-23, the fruit of the Spirit. He gives you all those. Downloaded in you, signed, sealed, delivered, vacuum-packed. They're not going anywhere. You have patience this 2016. For some of you, as I look around, you do have kindness for 2016. You have gentleness. You have meekness. You have self-control. They're all in there. Can't blame them on the devil. The devil made me do it. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit says you're meek, you're kind, you're gentle. The last scripture I want to share before we close, and I'm getting ready to close here, Callie, is one of my favorite scriptures, but it's so awesome in the message translation. I encourage you when you read 12, Romans 12, 1 and 2, read it in the King James, the New King James, then read it in the New Living Translation, read it in the NIV, whatever you choose, ESV. Read it in the message too. 
side by side. It's so awesome. I'm going to read it to you. And this is for you guys this year, for me. So here's, this is what it says. It's not me talking. You can come on up, Kelly, if you guys want. Um, this isn't me talking. This is the message Bible. This might sound like me talking here in a minute, but he says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. That's the first thing. Check. God helping you. Take your everyday, your ordinary life. That sounds like most of us. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life. That pretty much covers everything, right? Saying all those things. He says, and place it before God as an offering. Remember in the Old Testament, when they used to offer things up for sacrifice, where did they put it? On the altar. This is God saying, this is the word of God telling you, put your, you are the, now the sacrifice. Put yourself on the offer, on the altar as an offering. Put it all up there. Then he goes on to say, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. I talked about this first service, about how is it the whole holiday season, I mean, we got invited to all these different places. It's like, did you fit in or did you stand out? If that's you, I encourage you today, whenever you go out in, in, in the public and you're, and you're invited to certain things, why don't you stand out as someone who's a little bit different and, and stand out for Christ instead of just fitting in? Because it says it here twice. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and helps you develop maturity. The Phillips version one line says, don't let the world squeeze you into its old mold. Let God remold your minds from within. 2016 is going to be a great year. I just speak blessings. I speak encouragement on you. I see what, if, we, if we take what the word of God says and we believe it to be true and we speak it in our life, then literally, Ephesians 1.17 says, ask God for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and he'll give it to you. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.